0: I am BJ Ardell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today we're going to spend the meat of the episode talking about Dalvin Cook. Uh, if you have you know, checked out ESPN recently or been on social media, you'll see that Jeremy Fowler tweeted that the Vikings are, quote, having productive contract talks with Dalvin Cook, which... You know, it's not much, but it's something, and it's the off season. and this is, and you know now is as good a time as ever um to discuss kind of the running back debate on whether you should pay a guy um, at that position. So that's gonna be the meat of the show, and then we'll spend the back end continuing our prospect analysis with Justin Jefferson, the first round wide receiver, a stark difference to what we did last week with quarterback Nate Stanley. Yes. So <laughs> so that is the plan for today. Let's just hop right into it then and start off here with Dalvin Cook. So um, this has been a primary kind of point of emphasis during the entire offseason. We knew that something's – okay, we know something has to give here. The Vikings tend to like to extend their – uh, their players one year before the end of their rookie contract. So we could see that coming from a distance. Then you also mix that in with reports from, you know, insiders that have been speculating that the Vikings are, you know, a strong candidate to pay Dalvin cook, a you know, a large lump sum of money. So this has been a discussion or excuse me, a topic that has been on the table for discussion for multiple months now. And now it seems like we're getting to the forefront of it. So Dalvin cook is, where we should start, I suppose, is determining how good Dalvin Cook is relative to his peers. That's probably the best place to start this analysis. So Dalvin Cook, simply put, is a very, very good running back. Just straight up. It's not its not hard to see that, right? When he's on the field, he's as good as they get, and he's extremely versatile. Mm-hmm. But there are some major concerns with his game, and the, probably the most important one is just the fact that he's not always on the field.
1: Oh, right. And the thing about running backs, so it's tough to evaluate them based on the stats that are most commonly seen for running backs. Right. So like rushing yards, uh, you know, yards per carry, Uh, yards per carry is probably actually one of the better ones to measure. But then like rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, receiving yards, receptions, like all that stuff is what you're most commonly going to see as your like comparison uh, the 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 metric for comparing running backs. Uh, but the problem is that clearly we've seen that the opportunity, uh, both in terms of qu- quantity of carries and receptions, and then the quality of those carries and receptions in terms of how well your offensive line blocks, how good your offense is, uh, the type of a situation you're in can change and be very different from running back to running back. So, it's very difficult in my estimation to determine actually how good any running back is because, you know, I mean, you look at Raheem Mostert with the Niners, right? Put up 200 something yards, four touchdowns against the Packers guy has flopped around the NFL, been on three or four different teams and not drafted. All of a sudden he's a star, you know, it, Arian Foster was the same way undrafted and became leading rusher and dominant running back for the Houston Texans. So it's, and that, those are just a couple examples, but, You know, we're seeing more and more now that mid-round running backs or late-round running backs or undrafted running backs can become stars. Dalvin Cook, second-round pick. Um, So, really, the only way that you can measure running back like performance is based on, I think, yards per carry is a little bit of a solid measurement, but it's again not indicative of how the scheme is, how the offensive line is, all that stuff. Really, you can look at like missed tackles. Like how well he is at a, a player is at you know avoiding tackles, um, how good the player is at receiving, like if he drops passes, uh, stuff like that. You know, again, these are measurements that um, you know, it, it you're kind of slimming it down. And then of course, there's the eye test of like, okay, how fast is this guy? How quick is this guy? And that's very subjective. Dalvin Cook, for what it's worth, I think is very shifty. Very good. He makes so many people miss, right? I think he's one of the top five in the league, if not better, at making the first guy miss. Um, you can see this in any one of his carries throughout the season. Uh, he makes, you know, he can move so quickly in such a small area to make people miss. It's actually incredible. Uh, so if we're straight up determining, like, I think your first question after all this ranting was to me that, you know, where are we going to place Dalvin Cook among the running backs in the NFL? he's probably borderline top 5 to me. That conversation includes, you know, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, um uh, you know, those
0: are probably the top See, that's two guys, That's where it gets right? kind of interesting, Ezekiel,
1: right? Ezekiel Elliott probably is up there depending mm-hmm. on how you feel about his offensive line. Um and so like even another guy that I think could be in that conversation depending on the situation he's in, like it's like someone like Joe Mixon, right? Was a stud out of college, but he's playing been playing for the Bengals hasn't get, gotten the opportunity to to, be, to shine, you know? So there are those type of guys that I think would benefit. And here's the thing with Dalvin, you know, he's in a very run heavy offense right now, or at least compared right. to the rest of the league right. run heavy. So he's going to, as long as he stayed healthy, he's going to accumulate the big numbers that put him in that scenario. And um, if the Vikings were to wait a year, you know, let him play out this final year of his deal uh, and then try to get him, it's, they're at the risk of being forced to pay him a lot more
0: which is, yeah, that's certainly a problem they may run into. So a couple of things that you brought up that we should probably highlight here. Delvin Cook last season, his breakout season, right? Uh, 4.5 yards per carry average was, uh, was the number that he put up, and that is 15th in the league. He finished the year with 1,135 yards. That's 10th overall in the league. And then his 13 touchdowns, excuse me, were only behind Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, and Christian McCaffrey.
1: Derek so Henry's another one, by the way, and Aaron Jones, right. actually guys that are, yeah. are I joined- test, they look very good, right? That, that's right. the only, that's kind of what I'm going off of here. I'm not really looking at the numbers to kind of say this. I'm just saying, okay, I watch these guys play. These are the guys that look like they are, you know, the premier at their position,
0: right? Right and Der- yeah, Derrick Henry was really the only big big name that you left off your kind of off the top of your head list. Nick Chubb also up there in consideration as well. But I think the the point that we can sort of fairly confidently arrive at is that Dalvin Cook is at the very least a borderline top five running back in the NFL right now. Because you know you think of the th- there's probably three guys who I feel like the general public would say are better than Dalvin Cook, and that's McCaffrey, uh, uh, Derrick Henry. And um, probably probably Ezekiel Elliott, I mm-hmm. think, would be the three that I would put in. Like, if you're looking at this from a universal non fight fan yeah. perspective, I feel like those are the three guys that people would like more. Yeah. Then you've got the other group that are all right there in the mix with Dalvin Cook. And you can really make an argument that he's as good as, you know, a guy like like Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he outplayed him last year for what, whatever that is worth, given the fact that they don't actually play each other head to head. But, you know, point being here is he's a top five player at his position. So as a result, you know that his agent is going to argue that he be paid like a top five player at his position, which runs us into our second major issue here with regard to Dalvin Cook and how we are going to attempt to keep him on the Vikings without paying him too much money. And that's the fact that Every single advanced analytic in the world is going to tell you don't pay running backs. Every single one of them. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that there are some of the people here uh, that listen to this show who don't like advanced analytics. And I don't blame you. And there are some people who you know, sort of embrace them and kind of find them interesting or you know whatever but don't live by them. That's kind of the group that I fall into. And then you've got the people who literally swear by these things uh, and they won't make a move without them, which is fair. It's it's a proven system that works in the contemporary NFL to use advanced analytics to make all of your decisions, and things seem to work out for people who do that, okay? Or t- franchises that do that. So, information that we know the Vikings aren't the most flexible with, I suppose. They're not uh, – the, the Vikings are not known for their analytics. Mainly Mike Zimmer is not known for embracing analytics. So we know that about this team. But so we kind of have that kind of have this discussion here, and f- to find some sort of middle ground in the fact that advanced analytics say no, the Vikings don't really care, and on top of what we just discussed, this is a top five player at his position. That, and that's honestly another piece, a leg of this argument, but you got to also factor in the fact that he's a focal point of your offense where he's going to be getting the lion's share of touches mm-hmm. of all your skill players.
1: Right. Well, so that's the that's the big argument for Delvin Cook, I think, um, in getting him a big deal. If I'm his agent, I'm saying, look, the way your offense is built. Right. You need a running exactly. back because there how many games last year did Delvin get 20, 25 carries uh, a lot more than other uh, teams can say about their, their starting running back. Tennessee is the one that comes out to mind with Derrick Henry. He got a ton of carries down the stretch of the season. Um, but, you know, even like Green Bay, Aaron Jones, like he's splitting time. Uh, um, nearly 50, 50, almost with Jamal Williams, just happened to get goal line touches, which got him, what, 16 touchdowns rushing last year. Um, looking also around the league, like someone like Mark Ingram splitting time, uh, Melvin Gordon splitting time now with Austin Eckler. Well, he was, a, was now he's with uh, Denver now, but, Phil uh, Lindsay now, right? So like there aren't a lot of teams and even, even talking about the Vikings, like Alexander Madison didn't, wasn't like ignored completely. He still right. had a role, probably getting five-ish carries or so. Um, in he had more several r- games. rookie
0: rushing yards than a lot of the guys that were picked in front of him. Just by the f- sheer fact that the Vikings were able to re- rest Dalvin yeah. Cook.
1: Right, right, and so it's uh, like that's the argument I'm making because Gary Kubiak, you know, even if we go back to the Denver days with Manning, that that Super Bowl year, like C.J. Anderson was a, a fantasy stud that year.
0: Right. And so
1: because of the rushing, you know, attempts that he was able to get that season, uh, I think like if you look at like Ronnie Hillman was maybe another guy there. Uh he was a great Viking by the way. Yeah, Vikings legend. Uh it's like from that perspective, you want to have a guy that you can trust to carry the ball, move the chains, and break the big play when it's there at running back. So from that perspective, I understand Dalvin Cook getting paid. Uh, But uh, we'll get into the other side of the argument later on. But, I mean, just look at the teams that are in the Super Bowl. Exactly. San Francisco, Kansas City, you know, and what's their running what back the situation. And the
0: folks yeah. are going to say. They're going to yeah. say, look at Todd Gurley's contract. Look at the fact that, I guess, the Rams aren't technically paying him right now if you're keeping up with Todd they Gurley. They are.
1: Well, I think they still owe him money.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but, like, they have to pay him. They're on the right. hook for, what, $48 million or something like that. You look at that contract and how that kind of – disoriented that franchise and now all of a sudden they're not i think a lot of people are picking them to finish fourth in the west two years removed from being in the super bowl right so that's the biggest problem here and that's what the people who swear by analytics are going to shove down your throat they're going to say look at these look at these franchises that were destroyed by a running back contract you need to pay your quarterback how are you going to also pay your running back? And the Vikings are in a situation where they don't have a rookie quarterback. They don't have him playing on a rookie contract. He's a top, what, five paid player at his position in Kirk Cousins, I'm speaking of, of course. So it's very, very difficult to justify allocating 40 plus million dollars to two players in your offense in Kirk Cousins and Dalby. Yeah, well, Coke, and and that's not already getting
1: paid a lot, that. too. Thiel's getting a big contract, oh, too. Right, so right. let's You're not forget not about including that. that. Yeah. So, and so yeah, I know. I mean, you think about like, just look at Dallas right now, right? So they're stuck to zero there's, there's what is it, six years, ninety mil, I think is what it is. I I don't know what at what point they can get out of that, but uh, he's getting fifteen something mil a year, and they can't pay Dak right now. Uh, and they're reluctant to do it, right? And so, and they, they I mean, they have this superstar offense with all these weapons. The offensive line is still solid. Uh, they added C.D. Lamb, like that's the dream offense. And if they can lock down Dak, if they think he's a top 10 quarterback, potentially better, uh, that offense can be just electric. Um, but you know, when you think of an electric offense nowadays, like scoring, putting up points, uh, at, at a high volume, you don't think of the running back necessarily doing that. Right. I mean, look at nine 98 Vikings, you know, you, you know, you think of three D before you think of Robert Smith. Right. Uh, so, and you, I mean, look at, the chiefs they've been putting up unreal points the last couple of seasons. They running back is a bunch of good dudes that were undrafted. So uh, it's, it just seems like prioritizing running back over maybe other positions of need. And it doesn't have to be on offense it could be, maybe you get a pass rusher. Maybe you get a lockdown corner. Like right. you could like with Zeke's contract at 15 million a year, that can pay for a lockdown corner. That could pay for a pretty darn solid pass rusher on defense as well. Right. And, Moving forward now with the Vikings, I don't know if they're going to necessarily be able to give or if the I should say if Dalvin Cook's would be able to get 15 million a year uh, from the Vikings. But something over 10 million dollars per year is probably likely um, for Dalvin Cook, probably three or four years, something like that. And that just seems like money that could be better allocated elsewhere.
0: Right. And so that's that's the argument in response to, you know, paying that position and especially paying that position in the direction that. Not just the NFL, but honestly, the Vikings, too, are finally sort of embracing these customary downfield plays where you're actually attacking 20-plus yards through the air as opposed to putting in the in the hands of a Percy Harvin, Stephon Diggs, Dalvin Cook. You know, name your playmaker that catches the ball three yards out of the backfield and tries to do something with its feet. That's just what the Vikings have done, historically speaking, with the exception to Brett Favre and Dante Culpepper, of course. So... With the Vikings embracing a change in direction, getting closer to that 50-50 mark in terms of pass run and then probably advancing past that a little bit in favor of the pass, that also hurts Dalvin Cook's case. So now we've got the positional value. We've got the kind of the direction the Vikings offense is heading and really the direction the NFL has been heading for, what, the last three years? And that's just being an aerial assault, you know. That's just what the NFL is nowadays. So you got those two things working against them. And then you've got probably the strongest piece that the Vikings can use to not pay Dalvin Cook despite his breakout year, and that's the fact that he's made out of glass. Because it's very, very difficult to justify paying a guy who has a significant medical history – a huge 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 amount of guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Now, you can work around that. There are ways to pay a guy a major contract and have them fully earn that deal, but there's no every running back in the world as soon as they turn 24, they're like I need to get some guaranteed money right now. That's yeah. that, that's your job. That's like you have basically till you're 30 to lock up as much guaranteed money as you possibly can and then try to just stay alive after that. I mean, there are guys like Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore, but let's be real here. Thirty is that's the cutoff for most major running back contracts. So yeah. Dalvin Cook is going to look at this, and he's not going to say he's going to he's not going to agree to a guaranteed a contract that is any less than he feels he deserves from a guaranteed money perspective. I don't care if that if it's in the you know hundred millions in total value, if the guaranteed money is less than thirty million, he's not signing that deal. It's just not going to happen because he's. This is who Dalvin Cook is right now. He needs to make his money, just like everyone else. But this is the position, and this is how it works. So the Vikings are going to say, well, we can't do that because, well, you missed four games last year. You missed half the season with an ACL the the year before. I mean, you got hurt in college. You have the – I believe he hurt his collarbone at one point. I mean, this guy has a significant history of just getting hurt. When he's on the field, I mean, he's as electric as anyone. We've established that, right? He's a top five running back when he's on the field fact is he's not on the field like 30 percent of the time and it makes that much harder to pay a guy a significant lump sum of money right. when you don't know you just straight up don't know and all you can judge it off of is what your doctors say and what the medical history says
1: right and then i it, mean it the, the running back position is inherently like an injury prone position right it's i mean these guys like todd Gurley. look at the example i mean what has he got like a knee arth- basically arthritis right where like he doesn't have Carlin's one of his knees or something because it you know he had been worn down, down. Yeah. right and so now he's like as fragile as anybody in football right and so if he gets hit the wrong way on that knee once or it gets a takes a, a big blow to the knee whatever it is like he might be done forever um and by the way his knee like you know in 15 years like he will hardly be able to walk if he's Still that's playing why football, is
0: out of the league right now. Still Remember playing the,
1: professional football on a knee without any cartilage. That cannot be good for, yeah. uh, for a player. But and so that's the only reason like, you know, that's why Gurley is is dropping off. And nobody wants I mean, He got a six million dollar contract uh, with the Falcons. But the right. guy that was two years ago, I think he was offensive player of the year in 2018. Right. Gurley was um, or 2017. One of the two years. And now he's making a $6 million salary this season. Uh, That position can drop off so quickly. Your value can, can be dropped off significantly so quickly, which is why Dalvin Cook and his agent are going to be aggressive about this because they want to, again, like you said, get the guaranteed money now before there's the risk of, you know, another ACL or another injury that could impact him long-term in 2020. If he doesn't have that long-term deal then he's missing out a lot of money. So that's, they're going to be aggressive trying to get what they can now, but at the same time, the Vikings need to understand that it's a risky proposition paying a guy. Look at around the league again. Gurley's the prime example right now, but like the New York Jets, they invested in Le'Veon Bell. They have not improved at all right. by adding him on their team. They hasn't. They haven't. He hasn't helped them at all. He's a, he's a still a stud, but we don't even think about him anymore because he's playing on such a a bad team that's not built through the pass game. Right. And so. It just, it, I I hope, like, even looking at the leaders in rushing yards last year, you got Derrick Henry, who, hey, dude, dude's a stud. Like, that's a bell cow running back if I've ever seen one. Derrick Henry. Nick Chubb missed the playoffs. Christian McCaffrey missed the playoffs. Ezekiel Elliott missed the playoffs. Chris Carson on Seattle made the playoffs. Uh, didn't go anywhere. Lamar Jackson to quarterback. Leonard Fournette missed the playoffs. Josh Jacobs missed the playoffs. Joe Mixon missed the playoffs. And then Dalvin Cook at 10.
0: Yeah. Leading the, sure the, leading the league men.
1: in rushing most of the time, not good for your, not, you know, not a positive outlook for your team based on what I'm seeing here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. that—that That is the nature of this position and it's the nature of the NFL. And you have to factor all of these little things in. Now, one last piece here, one last leg to this puzzle that I think kind of throws a bit of a wrench into it. And that is the designation of being a running back when you're more of quote an offensive weapon, right? This is a term that was sort of coined when Denard Robinson came into the league with the Jacksonville Jaguars and they didn't know what to do with them. So they listed him as O W right. Um, Dalvin cook is of course a running back, right? He he, takes handoffs from out of the backfield. He's a running back, no doubt. However, you can make a case, not nearly as good of a case as you can make for guys like Christian McCaffrey or, well, Denard Robinson is honestly the staple of the position because literally like you didn't know where he was going to be. Uh, but Dalvin Cook fits these traits, right? He it gives you the versatility to do things more than just line up in eye form and shove it down the defense's throat. He's a lot more than that. You can obviously you can move to the outside with him as well and you can you can mix and match. I mean, he takes carries to the inside and the outside, left and right, as well as anyone in the NFL, and he makes, like Drew said before, he makes the first guy miss. His plant foot and kind of the ability to spring off of that plant is like, it's mesmerizing, especially if you watch it in slow motion. I highly recommend doing so if you haven't already. So he does all of these things, and then he also catches the ball extremely well in the backfield, which is something the Vikings basically haven't had since Robert Smith to bring him up again. So... He adds not just the element of needing to run the ball, which the Vikings offense does, because you're going to run play action, you need to be able to run the ball, right? He also gives you the ability to catch passes as a receiver or in receiver-like positions. He doesn't run routes like Christian McCaffrey does, so he's not a pure you know, wide receiver running back combination, but he does give you that element. On the flip side to that argument, Every 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 NFL team is gonna say, Well, we expect every running back to do that nowadays. So it's not as much of a big deal anymore that Dalvin Cook is able to kind of have this versatile skill set. But at the same time, is that that has to factor into his agent saying, Well, he can do all of these things for your offense, so you never need to take him off the field. He's a pure three down running back, as good as you're gonna see in the NFL for the the stage that we're at in offensive progression. He he makes sense like more than anyone else for your specific offense. And he can do all of these different things, especially with the fact that you just lost to fond digs. You need a guy to, that you can trust to take on that share of the care of the touches. There's a lot of arguments there, but the Vikings will, of course I imagine lean back on that medical history and kind of what has happened in the past with the running back position and salaries.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, and here's the thing about, you know, what makes it interesting is now, the franchise tag, right? Because like, I'm okay with, you know, if, if you want to keep delving around, if you, um, for like another season, really like what he can do, but you don't want to, you know, get into that long-term risk. Franchise tag does that for you uh, as a franchise. Now there is the other side of that coin, which is, uh, it's kind of the ethical thing, right? To give the guy the long-term security that he's looking for. That's kind of the you know. There's been some uh, debates about that with Anthony Harris. We're like, well, he's probably he should he should get what he's owed, right? right? These right. guys have earned a long-term deal. Anthony Harris is one of the best safeties in the league. He's er, he's owed a long-term deal, uh, and so with Dalvin, it's probably it's going to be something similar where, um, you know, the, the Vikings have been historically good about getting their guys long-term right. security. Uh, the franchise tag hasn't been used very often which is kind of surprising. It is surprising that they used it on Anthony Harris uh, and then haven't gotten the deal done yet. Um, but they've been really good about getting their guys that long-term security. And I'm not just talking about Kirk Cousins and his guaranteed dollars. I'm talking Harrison Smith, you know, uh, Everson Griffin prior to his deal uh, ending, Daniel Hunter now, uh, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr. These guys, like, if they show that they're premier players at their position, the Vikings reward them for that. And so that's why I think Delvin Cook will get, a long-term deal, um, but if the Vikings wanted to be kind of, uh, for lack of a better words, selfish about it and sort of, you know, disregard that element of rewarding your players and kind of doing the right thing with air quotes, uh, right. you might franchise tag him in 2021, and then from there you kind of see, okay, maybe he, if there's an injury, you kind of uh, avoid that long-term risk of g- f- falling into the trap of a bad running back contract.
0: Absolutely, and that's. Um that's the unfortunate truth is that the what the Vikings are probably most fearful of right now is paying Dalvin Cook and then having him not be effective or on the field within a year. Because that's that's in the realm of possibilities for this player, unfortunately. And it it's not his fault. It's just his body has not responded super well to the NFL level of contact. And he's a little bit fragile. And <laughs> Ultimately, that has to factor into your discussion more than anything else, I think. And I think it will because I, yeah. I, can't, I just can't see a way for the Vikings to – Rob Brzezinski is smart for a reason, right? And he's been doing things the way he has been doing at such a high level for a long time for a reason, right? And it's because he's never fallen into these kind of obvious pitfalls. The you know, don't pay a running back too much money. Obviously, don't overpay a kicker like little things like that has a, keeping the Vikings in a good position with their salary cap for years despite Well and what a he does
1: too mistakes. is just, he usually likes to he's really good about getting hit the Vikings sort of an out. Um, oh yeah, yeah. down the line in longer contracts um where they can uh get out of them with little penalty or no penalty. Linval Joseph and Xavier Rhodes being the the latest examples where it has helped the Vikings. So Like stuff like that. And I'm sure there'll be something like that with Delvin. Like, I'm sure when a contract is signed, the the extent, um, by the way, we should address like um, what has happened with the Vikings recently in the past few years. These guys get their big extension in like training camp time, right? Right. That seems to be when that announcement happens. I think it was Diggs in 2018.
0: Um, And so I think Harrison Smith
1: got an extension too in, in training camp. Uh, so that's, that's when I expect this to happen. I think it'll be training camp time when everybody can kind of get together and they can talk and it'll come through and we're going to see some big number, like four years, 50 million or something like that. Uh, 50 something million over four years. That's going to, it's kind of scare. A lot of people scared me at first. And then you're going to look at it and it's going to be something like first two years or it's like 20 million guaranteed or 25 million guaranteed. Maybe then after that, they can get out without penalty, something like that. Um, I trust Brzezinski to do that at least. Uh, But I still don't love the idea of giving any running back in the league, McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, any running back in the league more than double digit million dollars. Um, I guess, well, 10 or more million dollars in a season, just because I think that money can be used elsewhere where it's more valuable. And I think time and again, if you again, just look at the Super Bowl winning teams and who their running backs are. You know, last year we had the Niners and the Chiefs. Damian Williams, undrafted. He's, like, the leading all-time running back touchdown scorer in the playoffs now or something after two years. Uh, The Niners had Mostert and Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida at running back. uh, Kind of a trio there that could just – they could plug and play whoever, and they would be uh, efficient. Uh, The Patriots over the years have been shuffling running backs nonstop uh, in that backfield. Remember when Jonas Gray had, like, 200 yards, four touchdowns in a game? Yeah. I do. It just some of the stuff shows up over and over. Guys that are really relatively low, not drafted, not a lot of clout. They come into the league, they find themselves in a good position, and they perform uh, something to close to the ability of someone that would be considered a top tier player. And I think the Vikings are falling into the trap of seeing this guy that's a stud on the field when he's healthy. Uh, you know, can he's absolutely a stud. Again, most elusive player in the league, or one of the most elusive players in the league. But that production is. I should say most of that production can be easily replaced by someone like Alexander Madison, in my opinion, which is why I'm against a long-term kind of lucrative deal for Dalvin Cook.
0: Okay. So that brings us to all of that. Everything we've discussed so far brings us to the ultimate question, the obvious question of what does the, what does the contract, what, what should it look like? What is the, what is both the, what you expect from the Vikings and also what makes the most sense in your mind for both sides?
1: Well, what I think it's going to look like, like I said, I think it's going to look something like four for 50, um, yeah. something like that. And then with the Vikings, be able to get out after a couple of years um, where Brzezinski works something out where, you know, there's a little or a no cap penalty down the road. But if I was, you know, at, let's say Darwin and his agent were just absurdly understanding about <laughs> running back <laughs> analytics and everything. I um, I think, I think, his value to me is something like seven to $8 million a season. Uh, and I think I say that in a way that I, I I'm trying to give a compliment because I think someone like McCaffrey is a max of 10, right? It's just the way that these guys are used. The the nature of the position it's replaceable. And I think something like eight million a year for Dalvin cook is what I think would be the most sense in terms of giving the guy, what he's due based on his value in the league. Um, but then also, You know, again, uh, paying your players based on how much they impact your team win or loss and running backs low on that chart. But I think eight million is much higher on that scale for me than it would be for the average running back. So um, now what makes sense for Dalvin and in terms of what his perspective is right now, he's trying to get like you had talked about earlier, just guaranteed money right now. Give me 30, 40 million guaranteed as I sign at some point during training camp. And then I'll be, I'll be happy and I'll play out that contract as long as I'm healthy and able to stand up and run.
0: Yeah. That's, that's kind of the neighborhood that I'm thinking too. You know, I I think that you can't go more than four years and from the Vikings perspective, you can't go more than four years from Dalvin Cook's perspective. You probably can't go less, right? So I think four years is the number we're going to see. I feel like that's you know, pretty well set in stone, barring some ridiculous material change, if you will. Uh, I see four years being the being the ultimate time length for this deal. Now, the number is what's is what's going to be important here, and it's kind of it's interesting because of what's going on with Derrick Henry, what just happened with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, there's not like a right way to pay yeah. a running back right now.
1: Derrick Henry is going to get what is it, eleven million or ten and a half million on the franchise tag or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is not a lot relative to Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, right. actually, I mean, Todd Gurley still yeah. with what he's owed from the Rams plus his, his Falcon salary. So Derek Henry's kind of getting screwed a little bit, um, by, t- by the Titans there. And, and, and that, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with Dalvin and the franchise tag and if the Vikings want right. to use it, it would be the right move for the franchise, but like you're kind of screwing over this dude from getting the money that the market probably would pay him.
0: Right which is yeah i mean it's business right i mean mm-hmm. the players yeah. say they know that right there's no there's no friends when you're going to negotiate a new contract right so i think i'm thinking 4 years 44 million dollars that's 11 million dollars per year which puts him as a top i believe a top 5 running back in terms of salary compensation and i'm going to say 32 million dollars in guaranteed money so you get lower overall get total money in the deal more guaranteed money. And that basically says so if you're going to pay a guy $32 million over four years, that basically says to me that you're going to pay him 11, 11, and then 10 to mm-hmm. get you to that guaranteed amount. And the fourth year of the deal is basically just, you know, thanks for coming along for the ride. So yeah. it's essentially a three year contract where you pay the guy a top five position and then he ages out and then hopefully. You know, when he turns 28, 29, you can get him for cheaper or unfortunately you might have to let him walk, but that keeps you safe long-term while still paying the player top five position and the guaranteed money. I probably a little high on just because I don't think you don't see that number get that high period for running backs and Dalvin cook is tough to pay guaranteed money to for all the reasons that we've established, but that's how you get the lesser overall money for the deal, right? Is by upping that guaranteed money. And mm-hmm. a guy like Dalvin Cook, I mean, a, uh, dude, a guy like anyone, if you see $32 million guaranteed over four years, I mean, you you jump at that. Unless your agent talks you off a cliff. There's just, like, there's no way around it. In the NFL, if you can get that amount of guaranteed money on a relatively short deal, which gives you an opportunity to get another contract after it's over, I mean – He's a running back, but he does have to factor in the, the, you know, the opportunity here to have another contract and quote fresh legs because he has missed so much time. So there's all of these pieces of the puzzle. I mean, we'll see how this thing shakes out, but ultimately I'm thinking four years and I'm with you right in the neighborhood of $50 million somewhere. It's going to pay him, you know, an average annual salary of about 11 million. That's what I see from doubt Dal- for Dalvin cook in the future here. And I, You know, like you said, based on historical precedent, we'll find out in a couple short months here whether that's going to be the case. But Mm -hmm. to get back to the original purpose of all this, uh, the Vikings are having productive talks with them. I don't know what that means, but I assume that, you know, it's not really that's not really a news story to me. That's just like.
1: Yeah. By the way, trivia question. How much I think we I think I asked you this, actually. Uh, How much money did Adrian Peterson make salary wise uh, from the Vikings in 2011?
0: 2011 Oof. so probably 18 was it 18 million 20 20 million
1: 20? 20 20
0: and a half and a- <laughs> which at that point
1: in the league like given where the salary cap was at that point is just preposterous to think about now i get even nine years ago running backs had a different value than they do now but just thinking about that is 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 bananas because nobody no running back is going to make that probably ever again uh, in one season
0: No, I highly, highly doubt it. That's like the – it's like when the rookies stopped getting paid – started getting paid rookie contracts. It was like – remember when like Sam Bradford got like $63 million. We were just like, what what are we doing? Who is paying this guy this much money to come into the league? Yeah, it's just a different world now. Uh, And Adrian Peterson kind of – yeah, I mean he's made his money. Unfortunately, he doesn't seem to be very good at saving it, but that's a topic (laughs) for another time. So (laughs) – all right, let's uh, let's talk about Justin Jefferson here, and then we will wrap up the show. So, Justin Jefferson, of course, from LSU, wide receiver, is your initial first-round pick for the Vikings this season. He already looks very good in purple and gold, so we know that for a fact. Uh, and we've discussed, you know, we've discussed him briefly in the past following the draft. You know, I think this is a very safe pick a uh, very comfortable pick. It gives you an immediate replacement for Stefan Diggs. I mean, again, I, I don't know why I need to say this every time. Cause there's always someone out there, but he's, he can't directly replace Stefan Diggs' production, but he can replace the position on the field adequately. This is a player player. That's well-prepared to play in the league runs good routes. Um, you know, he was playing in a high flying offense with LSU and Joe Burrow. So he is well aware of how to operate a pro style system. Uh, and he's just a smart football player who has plenty of experience as well. So you get <coughs> excuse me, you bring in this player who has all of this talent. He's gonna slide right into the system. There are question marks here, but ultimately this is the this is one of the few players of the fifteenth the Vikings selected that will true that has an opportunity to truly impact the Vikings in two thousand twenty. Um and be, you know, a true, like a, a viable candidate, I suppose, for offensive rookie of the year.
1: Yeah, I do think so. Uh, I think rookie of the year, that's kind of an interesting discussion because, uh, you know, you, rookies in general stink, for, for, a, for lack of a better term, right? I mean, most rookies, relative to what their role is asking them to do, uh, they just find it difficult to succeed. Uh, that's just the way it is. Now, I think the Vikings, uh, it's... The number two role for the Vikings is kind of a nice spot because you get into an offense that is run heavy uh, and is based on play action stuff. Where it's, I don't want to say easier to get open, but it provides, uh, I think it provides more opportunity for uh, for scoring, for production, for someone that is trying to ease into it a little bit, like a rookie. Uh, and Justin Jefferson could be that guy, and he already has someone in Adam Thielen that. It, from what it sounds like is going to be a pretty solid mentor moving forward. Cause he suddenly yeah. is the old man um, with a bunch of young guns around him and Dylan's been around the block. He's gone. He's played pretty much every role there is to play as uh, someone listed at receiver. He's played, uh, you know, special teams. He's been a return guy. Um, and now he's, he's been your the fifth and fourth receiver on a team and he's moved up the depth chart and he's now the undisputed number one. And so he has, all the the knowledge and the experience to teach somebody like Jefferson coming into the league. So this, this situation for him is pretty darn good. And then you get a quarterback like Kirk, who is uh, very accurate and can throw um, at all three levels of the field. So I like that about him. And I think that this is a good situation for, for him to come into. The question that I have is, has a lot to do with the role he will actually play in terms of where he's lining up because Thielen's been the slot guy the last few years Jefferson played like ten snaps outside of the slot right, last year. Right. Right. Uh, so is, is Jefferson going to be your slot guy? Do move outside, vice versa? Like something's going to have to be changed. Changed there a little bit. That's the question I have. And obviously, Gary Kubiak will have to answer that at some point uh, moving forward. But that is, you know, because all of a sudden, if you take Jefferson out of the slot, then you move him back to where I guess what he did twenty eighteen for the most part, where he didn't seem to be as successful or dominant.
0: Okay. So let let's. Let's talk about these question marks with Jefferson. I think, you know, we've established for the most part the good things that he brings to the table, right? And I'm sure that everyone that listens to this show is has listened to enough audio about the positive traits of Justin Jefferson to be excited about this player. Now, that all being said, you know, the great fundamentals, the uh, – Playing with Joe Burrow and being one of the best receivers in the country at the very highest level. His overall awareness, his technique, uh, his ability to kind of break away in space. All of these things are great, right? And I expect some of these things to pop up. I I think the football intelligence that he shows and just... His familiarity with a pro style system, that will benefit him, especially with coronavirus going on and not being able to be on the field and necessarily learn these things directly from a position coach. Instead, you can hand this guy a playbook and he knows what he's doing. So all of these things are positive, right? We know all these things. Let's talk about the negatives, the flip side of this here, the things that you're genuinely concerned about with a wide receiver making the transition from college football to the NFL. The number one thing that sticks out for me with Justin Jefferson on this tape in terms of things that I'm not that make me fearful that he can be successful early in his career and potentially at all is his ability to break off press coverage. Mm -hmm. That very much concerns me. And and you can add to the fact, like Drew alluded to, that he took 99 percent of his snaps in the slot, breaking press on the outside it's different. And technically the wide receiver has leverage on the outside as well. So you can use the boundary of course, to push the receiver and it makes it that much more difficult from to break off of press. Again, something that Justin Jefferson's consistently struggled with. Is it a skill that's easy to, uh, easy to develop? Well, no, not easy, but it's something that can be done. But we also have seen guys like Cordero Patterson who still don't know, even know what press crowd coverage is. So, it, it it's concerning because he's got the speed he's got the talent but if he, if cornerbacks get his ha- their hands on him that was a problem for him consistently throughout his college career even when he was peaking he was still getting beat against press coverage by you know physical strong cornerbacks which basically make up the entire position of the in the right. nFL well
1: your lockdown corners the guys that are the best in the league they're not none of them are scared to go at you. At line of scrimmage, and Jefferson, or yeah, Jefferson, kind of, he's not, he's not, like, he's not going out of his way to be physical. You know, he what he's done is he wins all the time. If it's me and you running down the field, not at line of scrimmage, he's going to beat you, man. I, I, that's what it seems like, especially on the timing routes. If he and Kirk get that chemistry built, that's what he did to destroy other defensive backs. Is when they didn't, they didn't press up on him, Uh, and he was great about, you know. Head fakes, body fakes, whatever the case may be, to deceive the corner and go the other way and be wide open. Uh, and I think that will continue into the NFL when he gets his opportunities and kind of off coverage, he'll win. But if it's about getting physical, running at the line of scrimmage, using because uh, he doesn't, uh, he 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 shies away from the kind. Of he wins by footwork rather than by his his arms and hands. And so. That will be a concern, and I'm sure, you know, Adam Thielen has become really good at that, so I'm sure he'll figure that out. Um, I, there's really, I mean, I, there, how many clips do you want to see of Thielen winning at the line of scrimmage by quick right. hand swipes or, or uh, right. you know, quick hand fighting, whatever the case is, whatever the term you, is that you want to use, he's become really good at it. So there's a good teacher right there. Um, but, yeah, that's that's for sure the big concern. But other than that, I mean, Jefferson has the, the contested catch ability, too, that— um, uh, doesn't, I mean, we're not going to say the digs level where digs was top four or better in the league the last few years, but, um, he was really, really good at it in terms of the body control and moving his body around so that it was easier to catch those one-on-one balls. Uh, and he has a knack for that, which definitely will be, um, useful in the NFL.
0: Yeah. Right. And so what makes this kind of this whole, uh, issue with Jefferson concerning, Overall is because you've got all these other skills, as you just noted. I mean, he's so dangerous when he's got the ball in his hands and he's dangerous, honestly, when the ball is up in the air as well, because he can go up and get that 50-50 ball or he straight up will just collide into the defensive back and catch the ball anyways. I don't know how to better describe it than that. That's just what he does. Catching traffic type of receiver. That's what he was during his college career. I expect the same thing to happen at the NFL level. There's no real concern with his, you know, his size and strength. I mean that will improve obviously as he you know gets in, uh, in involved with the dietitian and you know an NFL strength reg- uh, regime. But it, it, the problem is is that he can work out all he wants. He can run the best routes on off coverage all he wants. He can be the best catch and catch and traffic receiver in the NFL. All these things he can be. All of these things. But if he can't release off press, that's they're just going to press him See, all day long, and it could this, ruin his entire career. It could this ruin is his why
1: entire. I like Thielen moving outside more than Jefferson moving outside. Now right, Thielen give him again, that
0: ability to right. go out or in. Yes. From the slot. yes,
1: because you know even though Thielen has been so so darn good in the slot the last couple of years, uh, there's you know clearly he has the skill set to go outside too and win and dominate out there. Uh, there's no doubt about that with Dylan. And I think it would be easier to acclimate just Jefferson to the NFL by kind of letting him sort of continue the role he had at LSU, where he'd, like you said, he had the ability to go inside or out or has more room to operate, if you will, in that press card scenario. Plus, most like shut down elite corners in the NFL aren't going in the slot. And so this is true. Yeah, uh, now, most slot corners are, Uh, their strength, I guess, would be press coverage in that scenario, but
0: that's the flip side. Yeah. Casey Hayward, if you will, or guys like that, Chris Harris. Yeah. Right.
1: But I think that's the, that's the best way I think you get Justin Jefferson acclimated to the NFL is let him operate in the slot. Um, once in a while, he is going to have games where the, the guy across from him is a stud uh, in the slot, but I mean, he's got to learn sometime. And so, uh, think that's great. And then you get Thielen on the outside. I think that could be a really nice compliment to each other. And then eventually down the road, they can move in and out both ways, and you right. can have sort of a nice tandem there. It's not going to be Thielen and Diggs, um, as you've seen in the past couple of years, but uh, it can give Kirk, you know, a, a reliable number two, which is more than you know Green Bay can say for Rodgers.
0: Yeah, this is definitely a player with very, very high potential. <laughs> You have to throw a little sub subtle jab in at the Packers there. Oh yeah, uh, it happens once a podcast now. Um, but yes, yeah, so they didn't this draft time. a receiver in this draft. <laughs> it's so funny, it is still funny. Uh, so this is obviously a player with very high potential. the 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 thing is here with that potential is just that there's no doubting ninety percent of his skill set. It's just that ten percent that could really, you know, we've seen. We've seen it derail too many talented receiver careers in the past, just not being able to break off that line of scrimmage. So I I will continue to harp on that, and I expect his season is going to be a roller coaster to sort of reflect that notion, right? I think that he's going to have games where he goes over 100 yards receiving this year. I can totally see it happening. You know, Thielen gets blanket coverage. You get one-on-one with Jefferson. He works his way against a number-two cornerback. I can totally see this thing happening. I can also see games where he gets two targets and zero receptions. So that's concerning. But for a rookie, I mean, if it comes at the right time and place, I mean, I don't really care. If you're going to put zero you know, zero catches on three targets against Detroit week 17, but then you're going to put up 112 on five receptions against Green Bay week one, hell, you do what you want, Justin Jefferson. But I do think it's a very real concern to think about the consistency that this player will have as a rookie and if his career will eventually, you know, t- if it will graduate into kind of a you know, vertical trajectory, that is highly, highly dependent on the fact that he's able to develop these skills that, as you said, Adam Thielen is the perfect guy to help him develop. So we'll see that ha- what happens with Justin Jefferson. I'm fully confident that he'll be able to break these these issues. It's just I have, you know, Cordell Patterson is you know PTSD basically. Where, PTSD. Exactly. You know, you look at these very very talented guys where it's just like if you could just do this one little thing right, and they never could. So it's real. But we'll see. I, I'm f- much more confident with Justin Jefferson, and uh, I believe in this player. And I think the Vikings certainly did the right thing. I that is that won't change. That was for sure the right pick
1: at the time. For sure right. the right pick. Like like.
0: Regardless of what. To happens.
1: a degree, we're nitpicky here um, because of course, part, part of it is we just don't want to be like you know we we wouldn't want to show that we're completely totally biased towards our Vikings, right? But right. Be no um, Being objective, you have to assess the weaknesses because that's just the way this works and that is the weakness with jefferson is physicality offline of scrimmage and if he can get to that uh you know improve on that and be able to almost make it as a weapon he'll be a dangerous dangerous receiver
0: absolutely and so we'll leave it off on that dangerous dangerous potential for justin jefferson so uh as always you can find this show on itunes stitcher google play spotify uh, make sure to check out the daily norseman as well Leave a comment if you'd like. Um, Check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket network. Um, Plenty of new developments going on there between the YouTube channel that's getting more content um, and more audio programs being added to the network as well. So be sure to check that out. Um, And, yeah, next week we will continue with prospect analysis, go a little bit deeper with, I assume, Jeff Gladney, which would make the most sense um, now that we've set kind of the standard for what we're going to be doing here reset the standard i suppose uh, and uh then we'll you know we'll catch up on any vikings news and announcements that are going on around the league so that is the that's the game plan for the rest of you know the foreseeable future here until we get some more uh meat to work with but yeah so thank you for listening as always and we will catch you guys next week